Welcome to Board Game Impact, a podcast where we look into board, card, dice, and other game-related topics of interest so that way you can know their potential impact for when they hit the table for your gaming group. Today I'm joined by a special guest and we talk about how the CIA has been using board games as educational tools. Welcome back to another episode of Board Game Impact. My name is Bruce Brown, and I'm your host. You can find me on Board Game Geek as Bruce Brown, and you can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Board Game Impact. Today, we have a special guest joining the show. Can you please introduce yourself and tell the listeners how to connect with your work? Hi, everyone. I'm Forrest from Two Bats Gaming. We are a group of tabletop reviewers and players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, basically fans of tabletop. We run a YouTube channel available at twobatsgaming.com. And the reason we're specifically on this podcast is because one of the latest games we redesigned having to do with the CIA. But I'll let Bruce talk a little bit more about that. Absolutely. And welcome to the show, Forrest. So yes, as Forrest mentioned, uh, Forrest is here as part of Two Bats Gaming, and they make board game reviews, how-tos, and more. And besides for their regularly entertaining content, today we're definitely talking about this something that fits into the end more category. Uh, specifically, there's been a rather unique set of events that have occurred, which led to Two Bats creating a special video and review. And that situation is that Two Bats has re-implemented and polished up a game designed by David Klopper for educational use by the United States uh, Central Intelligence Agency. Forrest, can you please inform our listeners about this unique situation? Yeah, so I think probably the best thing to do is give a little timeline of how the events transpired. Um, Back in March of 2017, a number of CIA intelligence analysts gave a presentation at the South by Southwest conference, wherein they talked about how the CIA was using traditional tabletop analog games as well as video games as training tools for their up-and-coming intelligence analysts and some of their other officers, stuff like that. One of the CIA senior intelligence analysts at this conference was named David Klopper, and at the conference, he showcased three individual tabletop games that he had developed for training purposes that were being used in-house in training seminars at the CIA. A journalist from Ars Technica named Sam Makovich picked up on this conference. He happened to attend it, uh, attended it and wrote a short, probably a thousand word article about the games and was allowed to take a number of photographs of some of the game components, things like that. But the amount of material that he could release was limited as these games were still considered classified material. On June 5th, 2017, a citizen by the name of Douglas Palmer filed a Freedom of Information Act request for any and all documents relating to these games and sent it off to the CIA. A year later, in March 2018, the CIA responded to the uh, FOIA request with 266 pages of documents, which basically detailed all three games designed by Clopper, one of which was co-designed by Volko Runke, which if you're in the gaming world, you may recognize him. his name as a designer of the Cohen series from GMT Games. And there was a bevy of information in these notes. There were shots of game components, uh, handwritten playtesting notes, basically everything you needed to play the game. But unfortunately, due to the nature of how FOIA documents are released, they're basically faxed to you, as it were. And so these were in two-bit, black and white, very low-resolution quality documents. So that's when we basically got clued into the game. We knew about the conference, but we had no idea that anybody had ever filed a uh, FOIA act. When we found the FOIA act came out, we downloaded the documents, looked them over and said, oh my Lord, somebody needs to turn this into a real game. Apparently we weren't the only ones thinking that, but basically we decided to 
go through the documents. We spent a good about 60 hours going through the documents. And then I recreated collection from the ground up. I designed all the cards I took. We made no changes in rules or in content itself, but we implemented the game, I guess is probably the best way to state what the creation of our work was. We sent it off to a game prototyping service, got it back, and lo and behold, we played the game and gave a review of it. And since then, we have released the files so anybody can play the game for free uh, as a print and play, or you can also buy a professionally produced copy of the game from uh, printplaygames.com. We've partnered with them. It's a little pricey, but it is a way to get the game in your hands. Wow, that is one heck of a timeline. It was, yeah. It, it took us about, it, it took a fair amount of time. And when the FOIA documents were released, I basically spent a really intense week where I think I spent about eight hours a day working on nothing but that game. But it was that interesting to me, you know? So how how did you go through and sort out the different documents? I, I took a look at the, uh, the pages and yeah. it is incredibly convoluted. <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, it's a mess. So what I what I ended up doing, as you may see in the video that we did of the review, I basically printed them all out, made three piles, and then as best as I could determined which game, which components were belonging to what game, which notes, so on and so forth. Part of the headache was the fact that one of the games in the three that was released was named Collection, and then another one of the games that Clopper had designed was called Collection Deck. Now, so there was some work to be done trying to figure out, you know, does this apply to collection deck or collection? But luckily, once I started getting into it, it became more and more evident which belonged to which game. And I was able to sort some things out. There were still some tiny little questions. Luckily, with collection, the game we went with, that was the one game that did not have any, as far as we can tell, any redacted information in the game, both Collection Deck and Kingpin, the hunt for El Chapo, which is the co-designed game with Volko Runke. Those both had certain areas that were redacted, I guess. I, I don't know why, but they were. Luckily, Collection was fully available as far as we can tell. Wow. And so when they were making this game and putting it out there, what was the purpose of this game? So as far as we can tell from what interviews have been given, as well as what we were able to delve into in the FOIA documents uh, and, and the Ars Technica uh, article touches upon this a bit too. Basically, David Clopper was dissatisfied with the way that CIA training had become. Uh, it had become a world of basically just PowerPoints and endless lectures. And he wanted some way to involve his analysts in the decision making process, as well as excite them, I think. You know, much like a kid teaching or a teacher teaching a classroom, you want to keep your students interested in the material. And from what I've been able to discern from what we've read through the FOIA documents and his playtesting notes, he was really big on the idea that it, it, teamwork was a necessary element of what intelligence analysts do. And he wanted to use this game to really foster the idea of teamwork. He designed a cooperative game. For gamers out there, it's it's not exactly like, but I'd say it's similar to Pandemic. You can see some of the influence of Pandemic being brought into this game. So Given that, you know, it, I would imagine that most of the analysts he was teaching the game to probably weren't familiar with tabletop gaming, at least not as much as we would think in like a gaming way. And he was trying to teach them the cooperative intelligence aspects as well as from the actual mechanics of the game itself, how reporting part of the, the main focus of the game is the idea that you are an intelligence analyst 
collecting information and using that information to drive what the CIA terms reporting. Reporting is basically their way to say, you know, we're releasing reports to a specific governmental agency. For instance, this information needs to go to the Department of Homeland Security, or this information needs to go to the NSA or the State Department, whatever. So the idea is that you're handling a number of crises around the world, but you're trying to put that information in the hands of the governmental agency that could use it best. So I think that was the theme idea of the game, but more so on a higher intellectual level. He was trying to teach these analysts important ideas about teamwork and how it's important to work as a team when driving reporting for these governmental agencies. Wow. Before we go any further, I think it's important to clarify, do you have any connection yeah. yourself yeah. to the I CIA? Should know this. Yeah. No, we uh, so here comes your standard legal boilerplate. Uh we have no collection or no connection whatsoever to Bats Gaming to any governmental agency, CIA or otherwise. We are not doing this pro- uh, project under the direction of the CIA. There is no involvement between us and the government in any way. This is literally just a fan-made project using declassified documents. Perfect. And for myself, this podcast has no connection to the CIA. Uh, surprise. Um, and none of this is in any relation to under the direction of the CIA nor any other agency. That is a line I never thought I'd have to say when about three years ago I started getting into tabletop reviews. But hey, here we are. Exactly. And actually, I'm kind of proud of the fact that we get to say it. I Yeah, to be honest, too. I mean, I to be a bit egotistical on this, I, I really... I mean, I don't know if egotism really enters into it, but the reason that we wanted to do this project was that tabletop gaming for so many years has been viewed as a child's hobby. Now, in the past 10 years since we've had really the renaissance of board gaming and, and you know, the new wave of 5th edition D&D driving things as well, it's starting to be seen as more of an adult hobby, and I'm really happy for that. But I think one way that we can approach a, a public that still may be locked into the mindset of, you know, Monopoly, or maybe they've seen Settlers of Catan, but beyond that, you know, they think, oh, these are games for kids and stuff, is to show that the CIA is using tabletop games to train its intelligence analysts. If you can't believe that tabletop gaming doesn't have applications for adults when the CIA is using it to train analysts, then I don't know what else would convince you. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I know many listeners either think of the CIA as either, hey, that's where James Bond works, right? But the US version or this monolith created out of the Cold War, where in actuality, if you look at Harvard Business Review's definition of a learning organization, the CIA is one. Uh, One of those points that they bring up is the openness to new idea, the time for reflection, and also that safety to try. Uh, which it sounds like these agents and whoever else works there gets the opportunity to lean in and try and be part of the failure that's, that comes from learning a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I should mention that through the course of working on this game and through our video release, we actually did have some contact with David Clopper, the CIA analyst who designed the games. Unfortunately, I can't really discuss what our conversation was, except that we did reach out for an interview and the request was denied by CIA Public Affairs. But I think more so the mindset that I would try to convey is that I think from what I've been able to delve through the FOIA documents and stuff like that, that I'm not here to get political about it in the least, but it is interesting to me that tabletop gaming is entering into fields that you probably wouldn't imagine it had ever entered into before. And I think that's 
showing the real reach the hobby has. As I said in the video when we created our review of this is, I mean, we found evidence of humans playing games over 4,000 years ago. My wife is an art historian, and she's been really digging me into some of the latest discoveries on that and stuff like that. And uh, the British Museum has done a lot of work on showing how games have been used throughout society. You know, they are a part of our societies. We use them to learn. We use them to teach. And that doesn't end when you get age 16 or something like that. We can teach concepts to each other through the shared communal societal experience of a board game that far outreach any idea of, oh, I'm just teaching this mechanic or I'm using this theme. It's it's much bigger concepts than that. Absolutely. And I think that those applications don't only have to be in the classroom. I think that being a part of a gaming experience with others, you're also learning a lot about yourself and the people that you're around because of the interactions that that game can create. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, one of the projects, I don't want to, you know, this is still very much in its nascent and it, the works, I guess, is a better way to put it. But one of the projects we're working on to kind of follow up on this, because we're trying to start a whole new series on our channel to some degree, wherein we're looking at how games relate to society. And one of the most interesting aspects to me, you may have seen an article that came out a couple of months ago on how they're using D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, in prisons, for instance. And to use tabletop gaming as a therapeutic experience, uh, we have contact with uh, some teachers at Montevallo University in Alabama that are currently using games as a way to help veterans who suffer from PTSD to help them get through, like by using a shared experience, they're able to use it as a central theme for their group therapy sessions. And that's something we're really interested in. The idea that gaming can help people get past traumatic experiences or help them deal with certain mental health issues. It's something we're really interested in covering in the future. Yeah, board games can really help out a lot and games in general can help out a lot in advancing our cultures, advancing our understanding of things. I know I was doing some research and learned about a game that was being implemented by hospitals actually called Remission 2 to teach teenagers and young adults about the chemotherapy drugs that were going to be put into their system so that way they can develop an appreciation of those drugs and yeah. to foster hope for the process that they're going through. And just the implications for that and also the prison environment situations are just mind-blowing. And I think it's something that is a really great impact of the hobby. Uh, so I, got, I agree. Yeah. I got to ask you, what have you learned in this process? Uh, of what I can talk about that I've Fair. learned, <laughs> I've learned that if you develop a CIA game, the next time you go to a convention, everybody tells you you're going to get arrested, um, which is not true. I, I've never had any sort of negative impact. Like everything's been completely cool on that side. I've learned that, huh, I guess I, I've learned that Gaming ha it affects things even farther than I imagined when I first started this. When I first started this project, to touch on the mental health aspect, part of that reason was, is I've covered this in some of the videos on our channel at points, but for me, it was a really reformative way to get back into society because I had become very ill and basically bedridden for a number of months. And to see that gaming is being used not only for people to help heal themselves in a sense and to get back into a more normal life, but to see that games are being used to teach people who, by their very nature, are very secretive, you know, and must be secretive by the nature of their work, to see that it's being used in fields like that has really just really invigorated me for the idea to show 
to the the public as a whole what gaming can really do for people. As far as what else we've learned, I've learned that uh, it's a lot of work developing a board game. Uh, I definitely have more respect for the people who send us games to review now. I have to say I appreciate how much work they put into it for often not as much money as you might expect. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's more so just the overall concept of how important gaming actually is to a society and not, you know, maybe I have a bit of a slanted view on it, given that it is my day job to review games, but I really, I I think one leads the other. I think that I wouldn't be into this if I didn't appreciate what gaming brought into our lives and in whatever field. Thank you for the honesty and talking about the experience and how that helped you personally. Uh, And you have mentioned that several times in your channel, but really appreciate you bringing that out for the listeners to hear as well as I'm glad that it had that positive impact for you. And you're absolutely right. Uh, The fact that such a secretive organization is utilizing gaming to educate their adults on how to do what they're doing or to think about things differently, regardless if a company or an organization wants to use a game itself to teach those things. I think it's important for them to just at least question the way they've been doing things and maybe lean into some other technologies or other methods. And gaming might be that answer they've been searching for, but never thought to ask or look. I completely agree. I think it's definitely a field in which many aspects that would be helpful to any form of business, whether that's intelligence gathering or literally selling more widgets, I think that you could use them as training tools to develop teamwork, to develop individuality as well. But just to, to uh, games allow us, I think RPGs are probably a little better at this, but tabletop gaming is getting into it more. It allows you to place a person into a situation where they are forced by the nature of the mechanics of the game to think about a situation in ways that they might not normally think about it. And it's from that idea that we can force ourselves to encounter new mental boundaries and overcome those mental boundaries that we can use games to really develop ourselves as a person. Well, Forrest, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. I think that's the perfect perfect note to end on. Uh, I think it's a great and impactful lesson that we can all take to heart and move forward with. And I just thank you for everything that you've been doing to bring collection to the public and all this countless amount of work that you've been doing for this as well as the rest of your content. Uh, But can you please remind our listeners how to connect with your work and get their hands on this unique game? Absolutely. First off, thank you so much for having us on the show, having me on the show. I really do appreciate the coverage of our work and more so what you're doing with your podcast as a whole. I listened to a couple of your episodes and really dig what you're doing, man. Please continue with it. As far as people reaching out to us, uh, the easiest way is literally if you just go to twobatsgaming.com, that will lead you directly to our YouTube channel or just search for Two Bats Gaming on YouTube. We have the standard Twitter, Instagram, all that sort of stuff, but we primarily focus on YouTube being our, our main content. So just check us out there. We also occasionally live stream to Twitch if you want to check us out there at Two Bats Gaming. Basically, if you Google Two Bats Gaming, you'll find us. And for all of our listeners, all that information is also in the show notes for today's episode. Uh, Please refer to that. And again, Forrest, thank you so much for everything you're doing and continue to do great in the world. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it again. Thanks for listening to Board Game Impact. I hope that this has been helpful for you and your gaming group. Today's show was made possible thanks to our fantastic Patreon backers and PayPal donors. I encourage you to support the show and learn more by visiting the show's website, boardgameimpact.com. Please connect with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by searching for Board Game Impact. 
You can also email me any topics that you'd like to have discussed by contacting us at boardgameimpact at gmail.com. Until next time, go have a positive impact on the world.